You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Well, let's, uh, let's start off with a word of prayer, asking God to open up our hearts to the truth of His Word. Uh, Father, we come before you as your people, uh, just wanting to hear from you, God, reveal, re- believing that you have revealed yourself to us um, in many, many ways, God. I can, I can open my eyes and see this incredible creation and know that you're here. And that says a lot about you and about your majesty and about your, uh, your creativity and your sovereignty. But then, God, I can also I can open this book and believe it's your revelation uh, to us. And, and I can see your heart, God. I can't see that in creation, but... I look in this book and I, I see the heart of, a, of, of the God that, that loves, the God that is, is slow to anger, uh, the God that uh, is just. Um, and then I, I can see your son, Father. I can see how you came in human form. And I see a sacrifice. Um, I see how you paid the penalty for my sin uh, through Jesus Christ. Um, I can see a, a church that was formed and and your message that went, go, that went out, and the people that you used uh, to, uh, to tell about your son. And, and so I just thank you for all of those things. I thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that we can know you, that we can know truth. And, uh, and like, uh, like Mike was praying this morning, and, and that truth truly will set us free uh, when we find out all that you have done for us through Jesus Christ. And so, uh, Father, be with us now. Be with us as we look at the book of Samuel. We look at the life of David. Uh, may we just be encouraged. Um, when we look at the heart of a man that really loves you and that knows you and has his identity founded in you. So I come before you, ask this in the name of your son. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel today. We're in a teaching series that's lasting all year. It's called The Road to Emmaus. So if you're visiting with us, we are powering through the Old Testament as a church. And uh, we're looking at the big picture. What's this, this overall story that, that God is is uh, putting before us through the Old Testament. And everything that we read is constantly pointing forward to Jesus. And so we've, along this series, we've stopped and said, okay, here's Moses, and God did a wonderful thing through Moses in rescuing the people out of Egypt. But Moses is just pointing toward to Jesus Christ. And he was the one that truly rescued us. And we talked through so many stories just like that. Uh, and even last week, we're now in the kingship. And so Israel now has a king over them, which... God told them they didn't need, but they wanted it. And so he gave them a king, and he, and, uh, he gave them King Saul. And uh, was Saul a good king? No, Saul was not a good king. And so last week, Royce walked through, looking at the choices that Saul made, and he came up with, with five points. And he said, uh, he said they were the five warning signs that your obedience could be disobedience. And that was just killer, man. As I read through those, and I wrote those five things down, and I started looking at my life, and, and I, was, I was really convicted of these ways that I think I'm being obedient. But then when I look at God's Word and what He's really asking to me, I'm like, no, I'm just being complacent. You know, I'm, I'm really not, not being obedient to the call that God has on my life. So if you weren't able to hear that message, it's up online on our website. And as, because we're teaching through narrative... If you miss a, a portion of the narrative, you're not going to get a full picture of the story. It's like going to sleep in the middle of a movie, like last night at our house, watching Les Mis. Have you guys watched Les Mis yet, the new singing one? Oh my gosh, that's torture. Like, I, 
I love that story. And to have someone sing it, it's just like, oh, come on, man. So, so we powered through like half of it. But at one point I realized like all of my family had fallen asleep. And so we like stopped and, and got up. And they're like, what happened in the movie? And I'm like, okay, let me, let me sing it to you guys real quick. I'm not going to do it. Um, man, I had a point there. I don't remember what it was. I think I may have lost your point. There it is. <laughs> Thank you, Macker. Um, Would you try to <laughs> oh, yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, so Saul, oh yeah, last week's message. If you miss a, pic, a por- portion of the story, you're just out of the loop. So go back and listen to these messages. They're all up, up online. Killer stuff. So last week we left off with Saul. That was awesome. Last week we left off with Saul being disobedient as the king and God, God's spirit leaving Saul. And, and then we, where we pick up our story today, uh, God's going to tell Samuel, the prophet, there was always a prophet for Israel that God spoke through, that talked to the people. And so he tells Samuel, I have another king for you. Uh, it's going to be out of the tribe, of, out of the family of Jesse. So I want you to go to where Jesse lives. And one of his sons is going to be the king. And I'll tell you which one. And so it's in 1 first, first Samuel 16 is where that story picks up. And so I'm just going to tell some of this so that I, we're not reading a, a huge portion of narrative. So what happens is Samuel uh, goes to Soko where Jesse lives. And it was pretty cool because Jesse is a Bethlehemite. Uh, and so this is, this is right. Where's Jesus going to be born? Bethlehem. So we're starting to hear that. The first time we heard Bethlehem was at the family gathering with Gideon. Remember when Naomi and Ruth went back to where they were from? They were from Bethlehem. And she marries Boaz. While they're there, beautiful story. Really cool. Well, Boaz has a son named Obed. And Obed has a son named Jesse. And Jesse's going to be the father of David. And so it's pretty cool just looking back at, at how... how um, Boaz had redeemed Ruth, that story, and now you actually have the king of Israel is going to come out of that story. So if you haven't read the book of Ruth, it's like crazy romance novel stuff. You should go and read it. It's really, really, really good. So, so he goes uh, to, to the home of Jesse and, uh, and actually invites Jesse to come offer sacrifices, and it's a long story here because uh, he's afraid that Saul's going to kill him. But when he gets there, it's, there's this really, really famous line. So Jesse shows up with his seven sons. He actually has eight and he lines them all up, and one at a time, they kind of parade in front of Samuel in some way. It's almost like a, a catwalk. I don't know. And he walks back and forth because they're trying to figure out which one of these God has chosen to be the king. And God says, hey, when the right one comes by, I'm going to tell you, and you're going to anoint him with oil. And so the first son shows up, and he's the oldest, uh, and his name is Alib. And when, when, when Samuel sees him, he says in verse, it's verse 6, he says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Because he's like tall, he's handsome, he's like Joe. Like, surely this is the king, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. He's like, surely th- this is it. And, and, and God says, no, that, that's not it. And I love the line here. Um, it says, for the Lord sees, so, so surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So that's going to be very important in who God chooses, chooses for king. It's not about appearances. Because if you remember Saul, he was tall, he was handsome, he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. 
But God cares more about your heart than he does your outward appearances. And this is going to be foundational for being a leader of Israel, and I believe for being a part of the kingdom of God. It's not about what you look like on the outside. It's about your heart. That's what God cares about. And we've used the terms lately. It's the difference between having a professional faith or a, a confessional faith where you speak. I'm a Christian. I go to church. You know, I got, I got a Bible. Yeah, it's, I'm a Christian. That, that's confessional. I, yeah, I believe what the Bible says. Well, then a functional faith is how you live your life. And that speaks so much louder than your outward appearances. And so that's what God cares about. God cares about your heart, right? That's, uh, your heart is a wellspring for your actions and your motivations. And so God really wants us to love him and to be obedient out of our heart, not out of outward appearances, not out of legalism. That's what a king does. A king leads from his, from his heart. He, he leads from, from, uh, from the motivations of his heart. And so it goes on in the story that, that, that uh, the other sons pass before Samuel, and, and, and none of them are chosen. And so, Jess, so Samuel says to Jesse, is there any other sons? And he says, well, yeah, we have this ruddy little kid, you know, David, but he's out tending the sheep. I mean, he's the youngest, he's the shortest, you know, he's kind of a wild man living out with the sheep. He says he's handsome and ruddy. And he says, you know, we can go get him if you want to. And so Samuel says, well, yeah, I mean, God sent me here. It's one of your sons. And so as soon as, as uh, David walks by, uh, God says, hey, that's it. That's my next king. And so David at that point is anointed the king over Israel. And then he's sent back into the pasture <laughs> to tend the sheep, which is really, really interesting, right? Because we would expect, wait, like, shouldn't he be brought to, to lead over the people? But it wasn't God's time for that yet. God had still had Saul as the king, and when God decides to remove Saul as king, then David will be there. But in the meantime, David is going to have to be really patient and waiting on God, and that's going to be a big part of, part of David's story. And so, and so I love those two lines. I love that, that it says, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks in the outward appearance, but the Lord looks in the heart. Um, and, so, and then in verse 13, uh, after David walks by, uh, Samuel anoints him, and it says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And that's how, in the Old Testament, God's Spirit would come on people and it would leave people. We live in a completely different uh, reality in where we stand before God and the fact that His Spirit now lives inside of us. It doesn't come on us and leave us. We always have it. But in the Old Testament, God's Spirit would come on people. And so... What I wanted to do today is last week, Royce gave us those, those five warning signs of what, that your obedience could be disobedience. And this is going to be a shocker to you guys. I actually have points to my message today. So, I know, I know. For you guys that are uh, auditory learners, this is going to be really helpful for you. Um, so it says, um, so what I, basically what I have is, is there's, there's three different ways that you can know that your identity is founded in Christ. I think that's what was so unique about David, is that... He just knew who God was. And when life happened, it didn't really affect his relationship with God because he knew who God was and he knew who he was. And no matter what came at him, he stood strong in that. And so we're supposed to compare like David and Saul and Saul and his disobedience and Saul didn't have trust in God and Saul took matters into his own hands. David, on the other hand, he just knows who God is. 
And so the, the, first, the first thing uh, that I, the first point I have is a person who finds their identity in Christ believes that they have the approval and the power of God. So if you want to have your identity in Christ, if you want to call yourself a Christian, if you want to have a functional faith, not just a confessional faith, then you believe, um, you believe that you have the approval and the power of God. Do you, do you believe that? I mean, that's something you have to write that down and really think about. Do you believe that God approves of you? Do you believe that God empowers you to live out the life that he's called you to? I mean, David had that. Obviously, it said that, that when God saw him, he said, man, you guys may look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart, and I know his heart. God approved of David. But not only that, God actually rushed upon David and 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 kind of filled him up and used him for a purpose. We, like I was saying earlier, God does that for us today. When God sees you as his child, he approves of you. And it's not because of all of your abilities. It's not because of all the things that you do, but it's because of what Jesus Christ has done. When Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died for your sins, you became pure and blameless in the eyes of God. It was nothing that you could claim credit of your own. We were all sinners, right? We were all rebellious, living against God. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Because of his sacrifice, God now looks at us as holy and blameless. So, so we are approved by God. That's a good place to be, right? It's a good place to be approved in the eyes of God. But not only that, God fills you up and uses you. A couple of months ago, uh, I taught through Ephesians 1, and I had the guys, one of the guys over in the hub, make up this mirror. And so if you've wondered what this mirror is, it came out of that message months ago. And basically, what I wanted to do is give you guys a visual aid for how you should see yourself. And so I had them put it on a mirror so that you can stand in front of this mirror and read this passage of Scripture. Because this is about you. This passage talks about how God sees you. And so what Paul, when, when he's praying... He says that the Father of glory, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation of knowledge in him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, what are the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the, to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus, who raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to who? The church. He, he gave Christ to us. Man. That's identity language, right? When I look at that and I, and I read that passage, man, I think about how the, the immeasurable greatness of God is being displayed through you and me right now. That's who I am. David got that, right? And this is thousands, oh, not thousands of years, 500 years before Christ came. David just knew who he was. That He knew he was approved of God. He knew he had God's spirit living inside of him. But we have to constantly remind ourselves of that. Because we forget who we are in Christ. And we forget the identity that we have in him. And then we, we doubt and we go through depression and we have anxiety. 
Why? Because we've forgotten who we are. You know, we don't believe the truth of God's word. I think we live, the way that we live says that that's crap, that I don't believe that. Because as I'm hanging out with some of you guys and we're in community and there's depression in your life and there's anxiety and you never know what's going to happen and it's like an emotional roller coaster. That's because you have your identity in something else aside from Christ. It's typically either in yourself or another person that they give you a sense of self-worth. That you say, I am approved by my boyfriend instead of I am approved by God. That I am filled with my job instead of I am filled with God's spirit. And so you're like, well, dude, how do you, how do you know that? How do you know the difference? If, if, if I'm actually living a life that's approved by God or if I'm living a life just for myself, one of the ways that you can tell if your identity is in the wrong thing, when that thing is taken away from you, how do you respond, right? There's a lot of good things that, that we can still do in life. And, and I actually have a, a quote from Luther that I want to read because he explains it pretty well. He says, anything we look to more than we look to Christ for our sense of acceptability, joy, significance, hope, and security is by definition our God. It's something we adore serve and rely on with our whole life and heart in general idols can be good things family achievement work career romance talent but we take those things and we turn them into the ultimate things that give us significance and joy then they drive us into the ground because we must have them a sure sign of the presence of idolatry is inordinate anxiety anger or discouragement when our idols are taken away so if we lose a good thing it makes us sad but if we lose an idol, it devastates us. To have your identity grounded in Christ, you're going to have to look at, examine your life and say, what are all the other things that I'm living for? And if that was taken away from me, how would I respond? Because I guarantee you, you are going to lose those things at some point in your life. When you look at the life of David, he, he's going to have to suffer. I mean, he's the anointed king of Israel, and he's going to spend years of his life running from Saul. During those really hard times, he's going to have to, to know, okay, is my identity founded in Christ, or, or is, it, is, it, is it something else? And so look at your life, look at your job, look at your relationships, my wife, my kids that I have, my home. If I lost any of those things, we, how would I respond to that? And maybe that means, maybe it's become an idol in my life. Maybe I've, I've put it higher than God in my life. So that's what I love that we can do in looking at David here. We can just see his heart and in, in, in his love for God. So the first point is, is, is a person who finds their identity in Christ uh, believes that they have the approval and the power of God. Well, let's look in the story here and see how we, that's actually displayed in David's actions. So as our story goes on, David uh, goes back to to taking care of his sheep, and the Philistine army actually gathers against the Israelites to fight them, right? So the whole army comes out. This isn't something new. This has been happening ever since they entered the promised land. The Philistines were living there. They came in, and so they're constantly at war with this group of people. Well, the Philistines are going to have to make a change in their strategy if they're going to defeat the Israelites, right? They've lost a lot of, a lot of battles so far. And so this time, instead of sending the whole army up against the Israelite army, they choose to send one man, and he's a giant of a man, 
to fight against Israel. And, and so this is a big strategy change for them. Instead of armies going toe-to-toe, they say, hey, we'll send one of our warriors out to fight, and you send one of your warriors out to fight, and whoever wins the fight, the other army will just surrender, right? I think there was a Star Trek episode about that years ago, for you Trekkies, remember that? And so, Royce would be so proud right now. Um, <laughs> And so the, you have this guy named Goliath. So it's the story of David and Goliath. You guys have heard it before. And it, and it says that there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He's a big dude. He's got a giant sword, a giant shield. Uh, and he, he says, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. So one of you fight, uh, one from the Israel and, and one from me. So what we're going to pick up here is in verse 24. It's going to be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. So after Goliath, he's been coming out and doing this every day. It says, all the, the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? I love this line. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David actually shows up to the battle just to check on his brothers. His dad sends him with some food and some cheese and says, Hey, go check on your brothers. They're on the front lines of the battle. And so David shows up, little ruddy kid, to help his brothers out. And sure enough, Goliath is on the other side of this valley. And he comes out and he, def- he challenges Israel he curses God, which we're going to see some more of his, his cursing of God here in the story. And, uh, and David's listening to this whole thing happen. And he's looking around, and his brothers and, and everybody else is like, they're like shaking in their armor. And he hears Goliath, and he says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would challenge God? It's pretty cool, right? I mean, David, David's like this little kid And he's got this whole army. He's got all of his older brothers. Everybody's afraid except for him. Like, how how could he not be afraid? Because he knew God. He knew who God was. He had seen God show up for him before. So that when life happened, when challenges came, he he wasn't afraid. And I want to stop here. It's really easy to teach this story as a series of like, here's how we fight the battles that are in our lives. But that's not what this story is about. This story is about how do we have faith in God, that he will provide and that he will, that he will take care. And so as the story continues, jump down to verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail, him, fail because of him. Your servant will go and will fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go, this Philistine, to fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them. For he he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over him. 
And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch, his sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. So word gets around to Saul of this little kid that's like, what are you guys all doing standing around for? This guy's defiling the armies of, the God, of God. And Saul sends for him, and David, David shows up, and, 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 I, and I love it. When, when Saul sees him, he says, okay, there's no way that you're going to go up against this Philistine, right? I mean, if there's anybody at this point that can fight, that can fight Goliath, it's Saul, right? I mean, Saul's the tallest Israelite. Goliath's like over nine feet tall. We know that Saul's head and shoulders above everybody else. Not only that, Saul's the king. He should be fighting, shouldn't he? Like when, when, when Goliath stepped forward and said, is, is there anyone here that would, that would fight me? Saul should have said, yeah, it's going to be me. You're talking about my family. You're talking about God. I'll fight you, and I believe that God's behind you. But Saul found all of his strength in his abilities, in himself, Right? And when a challenge came along that was bigger than him, he just threw in the, to- the towel like everybody else. Well, David didn't. Like, David saw this as an opportunity for God to display his glory. He didn't allow his circumstances to dictate his faith. And so that's the second point of someone who has found their identity in Christ doesn't allow their circumstances to dictate their faith. That's another one of those, those keys to, if you have an idol in your life, you know, when it gets taken away, what, how, do you respond like Saul or do you respond like David? And so David, you know, Saul closes him in his armor and says, you're going to need all this stuff to fight. And, and David's like, look, I, I can't do this, um, but I believe that, that God is on my side because I've seen God provide for me in the past. You know, he's like, when I was out being a shepherd, a lion would come. And it would, it would take one of my sheep. And so I would go after it. And I'd grab it by the beard and I would kill it. Kid, right? It says when a bear would come, I would do the same thing. And I think it's easy to say, well, David was just really courageous. No, David just trusted God. Because there wasn't anything significant about David, right? I mean, that's, that's what, when Samuel saw him, he was like, who is this kid? But it's who God had chosen. And you today are who God has chosen to accomplish his task. And when you look at your journey with God, hasn't God been faithful to you? Right? Hasn't he provided for everything that you have ever needed? Like I think back on, on the, the journey that, that I've walked with God and my family's walked with God. He told us to do something. He told us to move to Portland and to come here. And so in coming here, we gave up certain things to be obedient to what God was calling us to do. But as we've gone forward, Jamie, hasn't God given us everything we've ever needed? And even now with my mother and father-in-law here, they're, they're moving up here at the beginning of the year. One of the things that we have prayed for ever since we left Alabama was, God, could we have some family here? You guys are our family. You're our church family. But could we have some paternal family that we could leave our kids with for a couple of days? Yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> You know, God, can we, have, can we have family? Because family was always such a big part of, 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 uh, of me and Jamie growing up. So one of the things that we started doing years ago is praying that God would send us family. 
And when it didn't happen in the timing that we thought it would, we're like, that's cool. God, if this is, if this is your plan for me, for us, God, then, then you'll make it happen. If it doesn't happen, then that's okay, God, because I trust you. I trust that even without family that, that we can still raise our, raise our kids, you know. But in, that, in, that, in those times, we never doubted God, never doubted what he was doing. And I believe because we never doubted God, God is actually answering our prayer, you know, to, to have family up here. That's what God asks of us. He asks of us to, 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 to be obedient, to have trust in him, because he's provided for us in the past. And I'll tell you guys this, it's not like David never had to go through anything hard. It's not like he was a shepherd just wandering around having it easy. The guy had bears and lions attack him. I don't know why we would think that God would never ask us to do anything hard. Right? Because it's in those times of faith. It's in those times when God puts forward a giant in your life. And you have to say, okay, God, do I trust you? Is my identity so grounded in you? Or when those things happen, do I take off running? Because my identity is not founded in Christ. It was founded in my own abilities. And when I lost that thing, I just, I just couldn't function anymore. That's idolatry, right? David didn't live like that. David didn't live like Saul. He didn't live like the rest of the army. He just, he just knew who God was and, and he trusted God. Makes me wonder what our lives would look like if we lived like that. You know, if we lived like David, not allowing our circumstances to dictate our faith, man, I bet God could do some amazing things through us, through his people. So as the story keeps going, you guys know what happens. Uh, David goes running out to fight Goliath in verse 41. It says, And the Philistine moved forward and came near David with his shield bare in front of him. This is pretty cool. They're going to they're gonna enter into like, like a, um, you know, like when you're on the ball court and you start doing a little trash talking before you play. You guys ever do that? Like talk up the other guys? This is David and Goliath are going to like trash talk out on the field. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you've come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Not a good idea. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So that was, that was, that was uh, Goliath doing his trash talking to David, cursing his God, cursing his appearance, everything about him. He's like, dude, I'm, you're about to be food for the animals. So David responds back to him. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. It's like nine feet long. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's God's fighting name, by the way. So Lord of hosts, if you're going into a battle, use that one. It, it works really well. He's the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defiled. David's like, dude, you're about to die. Like, you just defiled God. I've heard of what he can do. I've heard that he parted the Red Sea. I heard that he knocked down Jericho. I heard through Gideon that he defeated the Midianites. In my life, I've seen him kill bears and lions. And because I trust him, I know what he can do through me. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, right? David didn't say, you're going to die so that all of Israel will know how awesome I am. 
He says, you're going to die so that this will be a testimony to the world of what he can do through anyone that he chooses. Because he is sovereign and he is in control. And that all of the assembly might know that the Lord saves, not with swords and spears. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David didn't even have a sword. But he goes up to fight Goliath. Man, that's a lot of faith in God. That's a lot of trust in him. And so the third thing, a person who finds their identity in Christ sees their life as an opportunity for God to display his glory. David just, David just knew that as he went forward that God was going to use this opportunity to, talk, to, to, to display how awesome he is. It's like Gideon, right? We were teaching the story of Gideon to our kids this week with their trumpets and their torches. Man, God used an army of 300. He actually used one man. With, with this 300 people to destroy an, a Midianite army that was uncountable. That's how God works. Recently, me, me and Royce have been talking, and, and I think it's a little harder for him. Sometimes it is for me. We get discouraged when there's not more people coming to Red Sea sometimes, you know? As you guys have been there, our home communities talk about that. As we'll, we'll, we'll look at, at, a, at a, we try to take attendance, or we'll look at an offering of like $415. We're like, oh no, what are we going to do? And we're like, well, hang on a second. Is, is God not sovereign here? Are, are we not speaking the truth of his word? Are we not being obedient to what he's called us to do? Yeah. And so in those moments, it's an awesome time for me just to have a gut check and say, hey, do I trust God? Do I trust what he's trying to do in this place, what he's doing to this community of people? And I feel encouraged and I feel empowered and I say, okay, let's go back at it. And we charge forward and we keep pressing on. You guys know what happens in the story. David takes a rock and he slings it and it sinks into the Goliath's head. And he drops dead. He walks up and cuts off his head. And the army flees and Israel pursues him. Right? That's, I, think, I think I've said this multiple times throughout this series. God is having us hear certain things at the right time. And I think this is when he wants us to hear this message. I truly believe that God does have a work that he is doing and wants to do even greater through the people here of Red Sea. But we have got to get our heart in the right place so that we can hear from God. And we've got to come to these tables and we've got to repent of any, anything else that we're living for, any other idolatry, and leave this place boldly saying, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you that as I go and I talk to my neighbors about you, that you're going to be there preparing that conversation to happen. I trust you that when I give my money for the work of your ministry, that you're going to provide for me financially, that you're going to help, help God pay the bills. That when I get in a conflict with one of my brothers, that you're going to be there reconciling that and our relationship's going to grow. I'm not going to bail because it's hard. I'm, I'm going to stay there and we're going to persevere. Right? That's what, that's what God wants to do through us. That's what he wants to do through this church. And I'll tell you guys, I see this stuff happening all the time. I see relationships being reconciled in a beautiful way. That five years ago, majority of the people left this church over conflict. We got in a fight with one another, which we're going to do because we're sinful. And they said, you know what? It's just not worth it. I'm going to leave. Now when we get in a fight with one another, which we do because family fight, 
we persevere through it and we're reconciled and our love and our knowledge for one another grows even more. That's what it means to, to have my identity in, in something aside from myself. I have it in being a part of something and being a part of the family of God and being a part of this community. And so I persevere through those, through those times. And I want you guys to do the same thing so those three things, I really want you guys as you go into home community this week and you, and you talk, really do some examination of your life. If you say that your identity is founded in Christ, if you, if you profess to know Him, ask yourself, do you believe that you're approved and empowered by God? Do you allow your circumstances to dictate your faith? And do you see all of life as an opportunity to display God's glory through you? Those are going to be some heavy questions to ask yourself and to examine. So we can look at David, and we can see this amazing story of how God used him to to defeat Goliath. And we can say, man, David David had so much abilities. He, He did so much for the people. But David was just a shadow of something still greater to come, right? David and all of his awesome abilities as a king, he's going to go on to lead Israel to some amazing things. He's going to write a book of Psalms, you know, see his hearts cry out to God. And we look at David and we, we kind of put him up on a pedestal of, I can never, I can never be that. I can never live a relationship with God like that. But someone greater than David is going to come and has come and his name was Jesus. And when he came, he was the true king. Just as, just as David went forth as the substitution for the army, right? David went into battle representing the army. He was a substitute for them. And he defeated a giant. Jesus Christ went into battle representing us as a substitute for us. But Jesus went up against God. Because sin had to be defeated, right? And, and God actually killed his own son so that we could be forgiven. He was our, our substitute for us in our place. And because of his obedience, God exalted him, right? God resurrected him from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. He defeated death. He defeated sin. You don't have to live being afraid of Satan and the power that he has in this world because Jesus defeated him. You don't have to live thinking that that you are holding this whole thing together. That if you do something wrong, it's all going to fall apart. Or if you don't try hard enough, that it's all going to fail. No, that's what what Jesus went to the cross for, to, to do all of that for you. All you have to do now is believe that truth. And so if if you've never done that, if you've never realized all that Jesus Christ has done for you, if if you haven't realized the place that he took for you, all he asks of you today is to believe, to confess your sins and saying, you know what, God, when we come to this table, we say, you know what, God, I've, I've, I've screwed up. God, I've sinned. But because of Jesus, I, I can be whole. I can, I can be at peace with you. That's what it means to, to call yourself a, a Christian. 
You can do that today. If you want to know more about that, I'll be sitting up here, and I would love to talk to you more about, about Christ and the work that he's done and how David just pointed toward Christ. If you need prayer today, if you're, if you're hearing this and saying, you know what, dude, I, I get what you're saying, but I have this circumstance going on in my life, and it's just too big, you know? Sure, David fought Goliath, but you have no idea what I'm going through. Come and have someone pray for you. Doug is going to be up front here. He would love to pray for you. I'm going to be up front. We would love just to say, you know what? God is not limited to anything, any circumstance. When when you say that something is too big for God, it's like saying, it's like telling Jesus, no, no, wait. You know, this is just too big for you. You can't die for this. And, and Jesus, Jesus covers everything, right? He, he is that amazing that he can do that. So I would just invite you guys to respond to God, respond to him in worship, uh, respond to him in communion and prayer. Uh, this is what it means to, to cry out to God right now, to be real with him. David did a lot of crying out in the Psalms. He told God when he was mad, He told God when when he didn't think things were going to work out. He cried out to him, and God always rescued David. And he will rescue you today. And so respond to him in in, in faith and in your actions as his people this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll keep worshiping. Uh, Father, we just come before you, and uh, I pray that you have just worked in our hearts, God, that you have removed me, and, and you have spoke. Father, that, that even now we can feel you. God, I, I, I love that I, I can feel your spirit living within me. God, I love that as I sing out and cry out for these songs, I think about all that you have done for me, Father. And it, and it brings joy to my, my heart. It brings tears many times thinking of my sin. But then when I think of your grace and I think of all that you, you died for, Father, it's gratitude. Lord, and I just pray that's what we would experience today as your people, that we would cry out to you and then we would see you provide for us and we would see you use us in amazing ways uh, for your kingdom. So, Father, as we come to this table, uh, may we find forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration and encouragement uh, through Jesus Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at